You're listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast, conversations between girlfriends who have the knowledge and information to educate and empower you before, during, and after a divorce. We are here to remind you that you're grown and you got this. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Cook, and today I'd like to talk to you about the biggest shopping mistakes that black women make during divorce. Now, I'm sure many of you are thinking that this conversation will be centered solely and exclusively on things to buy in the store. However, there are actual and real shopping, and I'm putting that in quotes, mistakes that I've seen black women make throughout the divorce process that no one ever really talks about, but they have really serious, significant financial, emotional um, impact. And so, you know, it warrants a conversation. But before we get into that, you know, I think it's always important to acknowledge the emotional landscape that accompanies divorce. Emotions certainly influence our decision-making, so it's important to be mindful of the impact of our emotions on these decisions. You know, during a divorce, our emotions, whether it's anger, sadness, confusion, you know, can certainly cloud our judgment. Make sure that as you are thinking about the really important and crucial decisions that you have to make in divorce, whether they're financial or whether they're parenting, that you take a moment to assess where are my emotions and really kind of really put them in check. If I'm sad, today is not maybe the best day for me to make a decision about you know, about my kids or about my finances. If I'm angry, I certainly need to take a step back because we know that when we make decisions out of anger, they tend to be the wrong decisions. So take a step back and let's really give a good assessment of where we are at the time that we are ready to make a decision. All right, so let's jump in. Let's talk about our big shopping mistakes. So first and foremost, I wanna talk to you about not shopping around for the right lawyer. I've had other podcast episodes, so please check out some of those that talk about finding the best lawyer. But what I wanna really focus on for this conversation really comes to the taking the time in exploring your lawyer options and really truly shopping around. You know, if you're looking for a black dress for an upcoming event or a great pair of shoes, there's a very good chance that you just don't grab the first one and run. No, you often look for a couple of days, you know, maybe check some online sites, go to a couple of different stores, try on some shoes, walk around, you know, compare. You might even send um, you know, a picture to a friend to ask her what she thinks about them. You really do shop around. But what I find though, is that people don't do that same kind of thing when they're looking for a lawyer. And that's a really big mistake. Finding the right lawyer for your case takes time. Yes, you might hit into somebody 
who you have a good connection with and you feel like they've got great energy. And oftentimes you definitely want to, you know, let your instincts be your guide. However, make sure that you're asking the right questions because let's be honest, we've all, you know, been kind of, I don't want to say manipulated by, but certainly swayed by somebody who talks a good talk, but doesn't necessarily walk the walk. So even if you're meeting with someone and you feel like I've got a real good connection with them, they understand me, they're saying all the right things, or they're saying those things that I think they should be saying, you know, do some due diligence, search the internet, see what's out there about them, see articles or information that they've written, go on LinkedIn, see, you know, what their education and their background, if there are any comments about them, how they co-signed or co-authored any kind of publications. Are they all over TikTok, Twitter, any of these things? Do your due diligence. But then also, even if you really think this is a great, strong candidate, I do think it's really important to meet with at least one other person. It's always really helpful to have something to balance against. Again, this is all about kind of shopping around, taking the time to make a good and informed decision because there's nothing worse than having buyer's remorse or feeling like, oh wait, can I return this? And here is the kind of situation where you can't really return it. What happens is you start working with somebody, the relationship doesn't go as you thought it would or it sours in some way, you have now spent money, you're not getting that money back. So this is not like, you know, sending off a return back to, you know, Amazon or Nordstrom. No, ma'am. This is, you've spent that money and if they are not the lawyer for you, that money is gone. You need to shop around. So don't make the mistake of hiring the first person that comes through the door. Here is a real good tip for those of you who are thinking, well, we're not yet at a place where we need to have a lawyer or we wanted to try mediation first to resolve things and then we'll hire lawyers. Listen, I think that's a great thing to do and to think about. However, I also think it's really important that you go ahead and you start interviewing and meeting with people so that you have somebody at the ready at the time that you're ready to file or if mediation fails. So go ahead and do the shopping around right now so that you have that person in place at the time that you may need him or her. Don't make the mistake of just buying into the first person that you hit into. I started out this conversation by saying that our emotions often cloud our judgment and drive many decisions. When you are thinking about finding a lawyer and shopping around for a lawyer, I do want you to do it over several days. That way you can really kind of manage your emotional, um, your emotional space throughout that time period. If you feel like I'm just a wreck, I'm all over the place, this is a great time and an opportunity to have a girlfriend go with you or help you to kind of narrow down the interviews that you are gonna have with lawyers. There's nothing wrong with having a shopping buddy. You do it for all other kinds of things, do it for this too. So 
When you're shopping around for a lawyer, I want you to assess your emotions. And if you don't think that you're in the right emotional headspace to do this alone, then let's get you a shopping buddy so that you can, in fact, um, make a good decision when you're finding and hiring the the right lawyer for you. So our next big shopping mistake that I see all the time that happens during a divorce is spending more than you can actually afford in the process. All right, let's be honest. We have all done it. We have all purchased a pair of shoes that we really could not afford at the time. Maybe now you look back and you're like, girl, I got this now. I can certainly afford an $800 pair of shoes. When I was 21 and I bought them, maybe I couldn't otherwise afford them. But I don't want you to make that mistake in the divorce process. So what this means is the cost of a divorce, cost and fees, those are two different things. Fees are the legal fees, right? Those are the fees for your lawyer or for the mediator or for the expert. Those are the things that we call the hourly rates or the retainer. That's different from the costs associated with divorce. So costs are things like filing fees, shipping fees, the subpoenas that you want to have sent out, the copies of, um, you know, exhibits, all of those things are actual costs. So I want you to know one, the difference, but two, Keep track of both the fees and the cost in your case. You should also think about being really honest about what can I afford as it relates to a divorce. You can afford an open-ended divorce, an open-ended meaning I'll spend whatever. I don't care if you're the wealthiest person in the world, everybody should have some range by which they say to themselves, all right, I'd like to stay within this. Having represented very wealthy people, I can tell you that their range is a lot smaller than one would think it is. They are really, really sensitive to costs and fees and legal matters because they know that the costs and fees can get expensive really quickly. So be honest with yourself about what you can and can't do and don't spend more than you can afford in this process. I know you may be thinking, well, wait, how do I control it? A lawyer's not gonna tell me exactly how much it's gonna cost. It's a great question. My response to that is be mindful of how you are showing up and participating in the process. The more you let your emotions drive the process. So the angrier you are oftentimes results in, I want to go after every single red scent that my spouse has, or I want to argue about every parenting matter under the sun. Trust and believe the lawyer will bill you for each time you call, each time you email, each time you want to run into court. So if you're letting your anger drive your decisions in the process, that anger is also going to drive you straight to bankruptcy. Be very, very, very careful about letting your emotions drive the cost and fees in this case. On the flip side of that, so maybe you're not angry, maybe you are incredibly sad. 
And this is so overwhelming and you just can't deal with the emails being, you know, sent to you from your spouse's lawyer or your own lawyer. And so what do you do? You ignore it. You get back to them a week later. Um, you know, you play games with getting the information, um, in a not just timely, but in a way that they can actually understand. That also costs you, okay? It doesn't cost you necessarily um, in monetary ways, but it's an emotional cost. You're dragging it out. That's like continuing to kind of pick at a scab and not allowing it to really move towards healing. Let's not do that either. Now, it can also cost you monetarily if you're dragging out a case because the longer it takes for somebody to get, you know, in touch with you, the longer it takes for them to get information from you, the more expensive in the long run it will be for you. Because if they can't get it from you, then that requires them to get it directly from the bank. If they can't um, get you to answer questions in a way that... Um, allows them to file certain documents, then what that means is the other side is going to ask that you participate in a deposition. That's more time, more money, more fees. So be very mindful. Again, when we think about how our emotions are impacting um, the process, because that can be costly. But what's really important here is to understand that we want to mitigate the fees and costs in our case by not spending more than what we really can afford. And by afford, I want you to be realistic with yourself. If you don't have a lot of, you know, liquid assets, liquid assets being cash accounts that you can draw from, you likely can't afford to be in court every day. So make some good decisions. Think about mediation. Think about ways that you can do direct negotiation and talk about ways that you can settle the case. Really lean on your lawyer in finding ways that you can save money even as a client. Maybe that means instead of them issuing a subpoena, you will go to the bank and get the downloads um, of all of the statements. Or maybe instead of you, their paralegal filling out the forms and financial affidavits, you'll do it instead. So be really clear about what your budget is or areas by which you need to work within. Because if you find yourself in a situation where you're liquidating assets, right? So if you're liquidating your retirement or you're drawing against the equity in your um, home, These things are really red flags and saying you can't afford to keep going at this rate and this pace, and that's a problem. So let's not make the mistake of spending more than you can afford in the process. Again, this is not a situation where we can return those shoes that you couldn't afford. Once that money is spent in a divorce process, it's spent and you owe it. So let's be really mindful about keeping, you know, things really tight in when it comes to our budgeting and expenditures um, on our cost and fees. Another shopping mistake that I see often is really not understanding quality over quantity. 
Okay, so this I know there's a lot of sensitivity around uh, fast fashion. Okay, so I'm going to talk about that for a moment, right? We all know what fast fashion is. Those are those companies who, you know, put out articles of clothing that really you can only wear one good time because if you wash it, it is not going to be in the same way that when you first wore it. Okay, fast fashion is really cute for about five minutes. That's different from, you know, those investment pieces, right? Really good staple pieces that you have in your closet that you have had for years or that have been passed down to you. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about quality over quantity. In the context of divorce, okay, we are talking about focusing in on something like quality time over quantity in a parenting schedule. So let me explain. Oftentimes people focus in on, I need to have my kids seven nights a week, or I need the vast majority of the parenting time. But if you are a working parent, you and I both know that there's a very big difference between having a Tuesday night for parenting time and having a Saturday for parenting time. If you're not getting home on Tuesday until 5.30, 6 o'clock, and now we've got to do what? We've got to do dinner, homework. If your kids are involved in activities, there's a lot of shuffling there. Then there's time to brush teeth, get them, you know, showered, bathed, whatever. Then they're down in bed and that's it. You're talking max during the week, two to three hours of time with them. And really that time, I would argue, is not necessarily quality. That's different than, say, a Saturday. Okay, yes, for those of us moms who have children who are really active and you're, you know, running back and forth between soccer and baseball and hockey and dance. I get it. You may be saying to yourself, well, Kim, I don't have a lot of time on Saturdays as well. And what I would say is there's a good chance that there are breaks in the day. There are blocks in time. Maybe Saturday night gives you more time for the family to kind of sit down and grab a pizza or a movie night or doing something where it's not after a long work day. So focus in when you're thinking about a parenting schedule and we're thinking about negotiation, I really want you to focus in on the quality over the quantity. It's same when we think about fast fashion versus really good investment pieces. Yes, if you want a, you know, a closet full of clothes that in two weeks you're going to have to replenish, have fun with that. That's the same like arguing over having a lot more of the school year time and then knowing that in the summer when kids don't have the same kinds of schedules or there allows for flexibility for vacation time that you're going to take less of that. If that works for you, so be it. But I want you to think of it in the what's quality over quantity when we're thinking about things like a parenting schedule. For those of you who do not have children and you're thinking, well, this may not apply to me. Oh, but it does. When we talk about those assets or debts, which are, you know, quality over quantity. So I don't want you to grab up, right? 
all of the cash accounts because your thought is, yep, I'm going to grab these right now and I'm not even going to worry about the retirement pieces or my spouse's pension because I, you know, I need money today. All right. You might need money today, but I don't want you to lose sight of what you might need in three, five, 10 years from now. And those accounts are quality accounts. Those retirement accounts, those investment accounts, those things that are going to grow with time because you can't touch them right now, don't overlook those. It's also really important to understand tax consequences of various assets on your balance sheet. So be very mindful when you're thinking about, oh, I'm grabbing up all of the, you know, the smaller accounts or the cash accounts and I'm getting, you know, out of our 15 accounts, I've got 10 of them. Yay. However, if the five that are remaining or that are going to your spouse are actually accounts that are going to grow even greater then you may not have gotten the best deal. You might be saddled with a lot of fast fashion and your spouse has investment pieces. So when you're thinking about the process, I want you to think about quality over quantity. Think of it in terms of fast fashion versus investment pieces so that you can make very good decisions on both parenting time as well as those assets that might be in play on the balance sheet. One of the biggest mistakes that I know gets made all of the time, especially during a divorce process, is women tend to want to keep up with the Joneses or depending on how young you are, keeping up with the Kardashians or whoever else you are trying to keep up with. What this means is this is you comparing your case, your situation to that of your girlfriend or colleague or soror who also got divorced. Okay, that's a huge mistake and one that is very costly for you. Your situation is very different than your friend, your soror, your family member. It's very different. Not all circumstances are the same. So even if you're saying to yourself, well, you know, my girlfriend had the same lawyer. She's got two kids. Her husband was also a doctor and she was a stay-at-home mom. How could things be that different? And I can tell you they can be so different. It'll make your head swing. Don't make the mistake of trying to keep up with how her case went. Yours is different. You have to focus on what's best for you and your family when it comes to finances and parenting matters. So really, I want you to put blinders on and don't try to keep up with what you think happened in her case. This can be really difficult if you are very close to someone who has been through the divorce process or, you know, you supported her through that process or you were on the outside looking in and you're asking yourself, oh, well, you know, she had a very smooth process. I'm going to do the exact same things. It's ideal to have a smooth process. 
you don't have complete control over the process. Keep in mind, it's two people in this process. And those two people, of course, yourself and your soon-to-be ex. So your focus is not on the smoothness that was your girlfriend's process, but figuring out how the two of you together can have your own smooth process. You also do not want to compare things like, oh, well, I know she kept the house, so I'm going to keep the house. It may not be financially feasible for you to keep the house. Don't make that mistake of trying to keep up with what she did in her process. It can be very, very, very difficult to focus on your own when you are familiar with somebody else's case. But I really implore you to only focus on your case, your circumstances, because you truly do not know the ins and outs of everybody's situation. Even if you think you do, you don't. You have no idea if there was non-marital money. You have no idea if there was a prenup or a postnup. You have no idea if the judge that she appears before is going to look at the factors in her case differently than the judge that's appearing before your case. So this is a different case and you have to look at it that way. Do not make the mistake of trying to keep up with someone else's case as you are preparing for your divorce. It will not end well for you. It's the same thing that we do when we're trying to what, you know, have the same shoes and the same house and the same cars because we're trying to keep up with everybody on Instagram or in our neighborhood or in our Jack and Jill chapter. It's all appearances, right? Listen, I can tell you there's a lot of smoke and mirrors happening. How do I know? I've been practicing divorce for the better part of 16 years. And I can tell you what you think you know about somebody's situation, you likely do not know. So please, when you are going through your process, put up those blinders, focus on your process, and don't make the mistake of trying to keep up with the Joneses, because that's not a good thing for you. Another mistake that really, um, you know, it happens at varying times during the divorce process. And we've talked a lot about emotions. And so I want to kind of circle back to the idea of emotions. But there's the emotional shopping that happens in a divorce. And it happens oftentimes in the lead up to a divorce, and then it settles down. And then oftentimes it comes back again, right towards the end and then after. So what's the emotional shopping? Well, the emotional shopping is often the, my marriage is not going in the direction that I thought. And so I'm going to bury my emotions in Target. And I'm going to buy everything that I want that I see because it makes me feel better. Or, you know, I've always wanted that Louis Vuitton suitcase. I'm going to buy it now. I wasn't allowed to buy it three years ago. Screw my ex. I'm buying it today. We're buying things just to buy things or we're shopping just to shopping. Don't do it. It will end up costing you. Also, I want you to be very careful of legal advice that says to you, 
you know, you should increase the lifestyle that you enjoy during the marriage because you don't want to end up in a situation where you don't have the things that you enjoyed. Okay, be easy. You don't need to go out and try to buy out Neiman's if that was not what you did during your marriage. Why is this important? Well, it's because during the process, that's going to come out. Somebody is being paid right now, some young associate or paralegal or law clerk is being paid right now to go through your credit card statements, bank account statements, to look at your spending history. And not just in the, you know, three, six or, you know, or 12 months leading up to the divorce filing. They want to see how you spent in the last three to five years. They want to understand, did you ramp up at the time of the divorce filing? Because if you did, that's a glaring issue that can be brought to the judge's attention. So don't get burned. Be very mindful of what you're doing. But also, we know that it can be driven by emotions. So, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say that when I'm having a hard day, I'm likely on, you know, online shopping and two days later, I'll get something and I'm like, when did I buy that? Or I'm scrolling through Instagram and something pops up knowing good and well, I don't need it, but I buy it anyway right? It happens and that's okay, but don't make it a practice during the process because you can get saddled with those very debts that you are now incurring in the spending increase. So let's not shop just to shop. This is an emotional process. So I want you to find a more productive way to release those emotions. Maybe that's going to the gym. Maybe that's getting a prayer buddy. Maybe that's knitting. But oftentimes it's not shopping. It's not, you know, happy hour every day by yourself. You know, it's not um, taking prescription medication. These are areas that are not productive and ways that, you know, often show up when our emotions are really driving our decision. So we're not going to shop just to shop as a part of the divorce because that's not going to, that's not going to help us. So as we kind of wrap up, I really want to just kind of go through again so that we're all clear about the biggest shopping mistakes that we make during the divorce process to help you avoid them. We are going to shop around for the right lawyer. Take the time, find the right lawyer in the same way that you found the right shoes for that gala event that you just went to. Take your time. We're next We're going to spend what we can afford in this process. So looking over our finances, this is what I know I can comfortably afford and I'm going to work within that as hard as I can. I'm going to find a lawyer who's can, you know, help me work within that. I'm going to make some decisions about the cost and fees. We are sticking to what we can afford, ladies, because We want to make sure that as we enter into our next phase of life, we are not now coming in with additional debt and baggage because we were spending money that we did not otherwise have. 
We're going to avoid as much as we can fast fashion. Remember, our focus is quality over quantity. Both on the parenting schedule side, I want you to take a really hard look at, you know, those quality times that you can spend with the children and try to get those over arguing about, you know, I have to have the five days during the week. Okay, let's try to balance those things out. It's all about quality over quantity. Yes, a blended closet will have both of those things, right? We've all got a couple of fast fashion pieces and we all have a couple of really good staple investment pieces. Your parenting schedule should look very much in that same way, having a balance of both of those things. Similarly, if you don't have children or that's not of a concern or an issue, I want you to look at quality over quantity when we think about the idea of assets. Make sure that you have a good solid understanding of, you know, what are those assets that are going to grow in time um, because those are going to be those quality assets. Don't overlook those. We want a nice blended closet, quality and quantity, but making sure that we do not um, just grab things just to grab things, fast fashion, just to say that we have them. Next thing we're not going to do, we are not keeping up with the Joneses, the Kardashians, or anybody else. We're putting our blinders on. We're focusing in on our case alone as we progress, as we make decisions for ourself and our family. So, Keeping up with the Joneses can cost us tremendously because we are comparing a case that we don't know all of the factors that went into the outcome. You don't actually know everything about that case. So do not try to compare your situation with that of somebody else. We are not going to make that shopping mistake. And certainly last but not least, shopping just to shop. We cannot do it. Do not let our emotions drive our decisions by spending, you know, needlessly and endlessly by just going to the store, trying to ramp up, um, you know, zombie shopping, as one may call it, just throwing things in a basket and then walking out having spent $300 later and really don't know what we spent. We're not going to do that. Let's not shop just to shop as a part of the divorce process at any stage of the process before, during, or after. Let's make some really good decisions financially as well as emotionally. So as we wrap up today's episode, you know, the biggest shopping mistakes that black women can make during the divorce, I do want to make sure that we remember that, you know, divorce is a complex and challenging journey, but being aware of our emotional pitfalls, and making informed decisions, we can navigate this process with resilience and strength. I appreciate you listening to today's episode. Please subscribe to the podcast. We believe that sharing is caring. So please share our information and resources with those girlfriends, sorors, family members, and friends who you think may benefit from the information because you never know who needs the support. Thank you for listening to the Grown Girl Divorce Podcast. Remember, 
Though you may be going through a difficult time, you're grown and you got this. Please be sure to tell your girlfriends about us. Follow us on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce and subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any new conversations. The conversations on this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to substitute working directly with a lawyer. These episodes are not to be used as a basis to support or defend any legal action and transcripts or recordings of the podcast may not be used for any purpose without the direct written permission of the podcast owner.